get back into the cartoon, though. It's been so long since I've seen an episode. I know. Now, I thought this was interesting. This is a little bit more onto my theory of Matt and Gloria having a little cling on the side. When they're following and tailing the Duke, yes. the music was very similar to the Knight Rider music. Matt, maybe he fell over on jet mode or something when he passed out. Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, MassCast listeners, to MassCast number 23, where we will be reviewing episode 17 of the Mass cartoon titled Mystery of the Rings. And in this episode, Venom goes to Sunhenge with three mystical rings that will point the way to a wealth of ancient treasure. Glad everybody has tuned in with us tonight. My name is Jason, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, the Run DMC to my Aerosmith. Wyatt, how are you? Hey, walk this way, man. (laughs) Man, that was a good song. That was a great song. That was like the first real mesh between rock and roll and rap. You know what I always thought of? Aerosmith is more like a hard rock, not just rock and roll, more hard rock. Yeah, I, I think it really set the stage for rap and, and said that, hey, we're here, you know, and uh, rap really came through after Aerosmith. That was pretty much when Aerosmith was the kings of rock and roll. That's right. And those two uh, came together, but great song. Yes, it is. And um, what have you been doing for this uh, month off that we've really had? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be back, really. Um We've been just enjoying the downloads from MassCast 22 for the last, I guess, three or four weeks. Um, we made it up to about 575 total downloads from all three episodes. So we really appreciate uh, Bill from MattTracker.com you know, spending that time with us. We really didn't plan on it going that long. But one thing led to another. We just kept talking about collecting masks, and we cut it up into three episodes that I thought were really good, really fun. Yeah, they were very excellent podcasts, really. I I enjoyed the whole time. Uh, I kind of felt like I was more in the backseat because you two were more of the ace collectors (laughs) than I was. But still, I mean, it was a great time. I enjoyed the the quality time together virtually, anyway. (laughs) Right, right. So that was really fun, and uh, we, uh, just for everybody, uh, a little script update, which we haven't done in forever, it seems like, on the blog, but um, we've been taking advantage of these past weeks and kind of going back over the script. Uh, Wyatt had made some uh, notations back in, uh, I don't know, what was it, about March or April this year? Yeah, about that. uh, We... (laughs) 
we had just finally got the time to go back and we're on Skype reviewing it together and uh, making little edits here, little additions here, changing up some dialogue and trying to make some improvements and, uh, and get it to where we, uh, we feel like we need to be, you know, after we technically completed it, um, what, about two years ago now? So oh, I think it's working on three now. Yeah, I guess it could be, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we just, you know, just like Jason said a few mass cuts ago, you know, you just can't, you always have to improve something. So, you know, we, we kind of let it set aside, and uh, we've had a couple people uh, glance at it, but really we just, we both chatted back and forth and said, you know, let's just go through this, see if we can't really polish it up even more, make it a little... Uh, well, I'll just make it better, really, to, to improve upon what we already had, and uh, never satisfied. That's right. That's yeah. that's exactly what it was, and you know we ended up um, changing the ending around just a little bit from what we originally had, and we're going to be finishing up that project hopefully before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. But but yeah, we I think we've got about a maybe a third of the way to go. So it's been fun to dive back into it, and like I said, it's just that never satisfied feeling to make it uh, make it the best we can to uh, hopefully make an impression on uh, on somebody down the road that would really want to make this movie. Right. And speaking of impressions, um, we want to congratulate Jason for surpassing the one year anniversary for his his website, rediscoverthe80s.com. I know we've blitzed twitter quite a bit on our own accounts but you know just wanted to verbally say it on the mass cast you know hey congratulations on one year and we hope it's many more thank you it's uh it's as you always say it's been a blast um it's hard to believe it's been a year i think it was uh about 275 posts in the last year i put up (laughs) on the blog so i'm very busy and very into uh rediscovering the 80s that's right i I feel like i'm an 80s historian now almost (laughs) um but it's fun you know it's it's not all this stuff is in my brain it's it's a lot of me going back and you know rediscovering it myself um and i just had a really good time and in connecting with everybody you know early on and developing the friendships you know virtually i guess you would say uh through twitter and facebook and some of the other, uh, I would call sister sites that are children of the eighties, like under scoop fire. But, uh, thank you for that. I, I appreciate you mentioning that. And, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to get back into the cartoon though. It's been so long since I've seen an episode. I know. So let's, uh, let's not waste any more time and start the mass cast. So we fade in on a country village and onto the Renaissance Fair. Matt walks up alongside Duke Windsor and he thanks him for Matt's many factories and jobs that he's given to the country. What a nice thing to do. Wish I could do that. Uh, Walking into a demonstration tent, we come upon a speaker lecturing on a, a ring, one of three, and together the rings would reveal one of the world's largest treasures. However... Unfortunately, the whereabouts of the other two rings is unknown. Now here's a question for you, Mr. 80s Guru. 
<laughs> what does this remind you of? Uh, I don't know. Really? Refresh my... <laughs> I'm thinking with, Indiana uh, Jones time, dude. Indiana Jones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can I can see that. You know, going on a treasure hunt. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I can see some similarities there. Um he's he's been known to uh to find some lost artifacts and to use them in magical ways to <laughs> to reveal treasures. So, yeah, it is it was very kind of Indiana Jones feel to it now that uh I think about it, but like we'll get a little bit into that later on when they finally reveal the treasure. Right. But um, so the Duke, he's uh, he's standing there with Matt, and he says, "Well, that's that's not quite everything." And he asks him to step outside the tent, and he tells Matt that uh, he has one of the three rings, and that um, there was a really nice shot of Matt through the ring. He holds the ring up, and it it. Uh, it's kind of blurry, and then it focuses in on Matt. I thought that was an awesome shot. I think I put that up in the montage on uh, the, the our Facebook profile photo there. I thought that was a really cool shot. But the third ring is lost somewhere, and it just kind of leaves it at that. Um, we cut to Scott and T-Bob, and T-Bob is trying to take a picture of Scott. And Scott says, Come on, T-Bob. I went to a lot of trouble to put that camera inside of you. Which I thought was neat that, you know, Scott is involved with uh, basically building T-Bob. Scott wants to take a picture to send to Gloria. Now, I thought this was interesting. This is a little bit more onto my theory of Matt and Gloria having a little fling on the side. Right, and I thought that too. I was (laughs) kind of curious how... And he focuses throughout the episode, you know, we got to get this postcard to Gloria. So I'm sitting there thinking, why not the rest of the mask team? Uh, Or is there something there? You know, maybe it's anti-Gloria. I I really don't know. I'm just, you know, joking around. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you know me and my my conspiracy theory there that uh, that Gloria and Matt are connected on the side. Well, I'm more more in line with that thinking, so... (laughs) Anyway, uh, these people kind of walk in front of T-Bob when he's trying to take a picture, and then, you know, T-Bob says he's out of film. Ah, oh, we Then we cut back to the artifact tent, and we see these two men uh, walk up to the tent, and they start pumping sleeping gas into the tent. Then they run in and raid the jewelry and take that second ring. Outside... Scott is installing new film into T-Bob, and T-Bob then quips, Great! Now I just hope I don't get a negative attitude. I kind of think he already has a negative attitude, because he doesn't want to ever do anything with Scott. He doesn't want to get involved in anything. He goes, like, he bumbles and says, Whoa, 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 wait! Yeah, Something. He, he does. So, uh, anyway, so just then, the thieves run past the duo with a man yelling that they robbed the treasures from the tent. Scott has T-Bob zoom in and start taking photos of the thieves. And now here's where I found it a little curious that T-Bob runs. He doesn't transform into unicycle and just, you know, ride along snapping photos. He runs and stops, takes a photo, and then runs again, takes another photo. Yeah, I I was ready for them to transform into scooter mode and uh, Scott hop on and go after these guys. But, yeah, he just kind of bumbles along. And he ends up uh, stumbling over some people, 
and the men run into the bushes and they find that there's a there's a getaway car right and uh, and haul out of there and then we cut back to Matt in uh, Thunderhawk on the phone with Bruce right and you know he's looking through the computer screens and he's able to pick out by the boots venom confirmed i've got a picture of one of their boots merlin the magician would have been impressed i mean this guy really knows the their attire i guess to know that the bad guy's wearing a certain boot yeah i didn't i, I didn't see that in the picture and i didn't even really see the men resemble any of the venom characters at this point so it must have been you know some of the henchmen or something and I thought I was yeah. bad, you know, being able to pick out people's cars, you know. It's just a thing with me, but uh, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, Bruce then ponders that there's more to the theft than just the artifacts. Of course, Matt replies that it was probably a cover-up for the theft of that mystery ring. Right. And Bruce simply just overstates that the rings are useless separately. And, of course, you know, Matt in his intuitive thinking... I'm betting Venom's got an inside line on all three. And then that's where we get the uh, call-up, right from inside Thunderhawk. And uh, we just get two mask agents this time, obviously Bruce, who he was on the phone with, and then Alex. I thought it was weird that the, it was kind of out of order right there, where you know usually the computer calls the agent, we cut to the agent you know, doing their little shtick, <laughs> and then... Uh, Cut back to the computer, calls another agent, where this time it called them both. And then we cut to Alex, who is uh, messing around with his rat, and he puts it back in the cage and leaves. I mean, it was really kind of unnecessary. I agree, because um, it seemed a little lengthy. It was like they had to add a little you know, 10 second or whatever filler with him in that yeah, little episode. I, whatever. <laughs> wasn't really a real negative thing, but it. Either put it in an order the way you've been doing it, you know, for the first 16 episodes, or just, you know, cut it out altogether. But that really wasn't necessary, and it wasn't really funny. Or, you know, they usually try to be funny with these little call-ups, and wasn't really uh, even humorous. But anyway, so we get back, and we cut to uh, Scott and T-Bob in the courtyard this time, and uh, T-Bob's taking more pictures of Scott. Uh, that's it! Uh, that's the shot you've been waiting for! You sure... Trust me, it's going to be a royal postcard for Gloria. What do you mean a royal postcard? Because <laughs> she's been waiting for her prince to come. <laughs> Get it? I don't know. T-Bob was making too many. He, he was almost like mad in this episode with all the little quips, as you would say. Yeah. Um, he's making about this you know, whole camera thing. But then uh, we cut back to Matt, and they're in the Duke's, I guess, study or office in his home and Matt warns about, you know, just wearing the second ring, especially with the one being stolen. Um, it's really not safe. And the Duke kind of assures him that the local police will handle it and uh, they'll recover the stolen ring. And then he tells Matt, I have an archeologist searching for the third ring. Now, if he finds it, I'll use the treasure to resolve our economic problems. If the treasure exists, but then the Duke says, that the archives uh, have told about this previous ruler who, while he was under duress, he hid his wealth. Matt leaves, and I thought this was a little uh, an interesting scene here as well. Matt's a little sly. Uh, he comes outside, he puts his foot up on the Duke's bumper on his car, and pretends to tie a shoe, and whoop, 
little uh, homing device. Yeah, that that was pretty clever, and uh, you know, it almost—I'll give it—I'll give the episode this. I almost thought that the Duke, when they're in the study, you know, Duke's, you know, saying, and his police will handle it. I'm almost thinking that he was some kind of uh, venom operative or knew something negative. Uh, I kind of actually thought along that lines why he wouldn't give up that second ring, but uh, that was what I took yeah. on it. Yeah, I can see. Uh, it was. Yeah, he was being a little just kind of straightforward about it and didn't really buy into anything Matt was saying. Right. So it's kind of an abrupt um, abrupt from being between the three-ring map and then going outside. He didn't say, well, okay, you know, okay, Duke, I'll catch you later or something. It was just, boom, I'm outside. Time to yeah. shoot. But uh, in, in, in any event, you know, the mass team is sitting in Rhino with Matt saying that he had put a tracer on the Duke's car because he's more vulnerable outside his compound. Alex jokes that, Well, old chap, I must say, this is the first time I've ever been a guardian angel. I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's Mask there for then? They're, right. they're out there saving people anyway. And uh, uh, Anyway, Matt jokes about him looking awkward with wings. Of course, Alex then replies it would be hard to get into his uniform. And they all yeah. finish with the little their little comedy minute with uh, catching the Duke driving off, and you know Matt has to remind them that they need to stay out of sight. Now there's some music, and of course me and my you know favorite TV shows and all, when they're following and tailing the Duke, yes, the music is very similar. You know there's a little bit of difference, it's very similar to the Night Rider music. Whenever they would actually go out and do the similar thing, when they would tail someone and when they were out investigating, it was the same type of music. I'm, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, where's Kit when you need him? <laughs> well, and I, that's one of the themes that I've really liked uh, in the episodes. I, I think I've commented about it before, and I, I had my notes here as well. It's that real kind of military type theme with the drums and. You know, with them trying to track uh, the Duke's car, but I, I this was funny to me where he reminds them to stay out of sight. Well, it's not like uh, they're driving a, a motor scooter or something; they're driving a freaking big rig. Exactly. Okay? How are you supposed to stay out of sight? So, and then you know, during the little montage there where they're following the Duke, it's it, it really shows them too close to the car. You know, it's like there's not a lot of traffic around or anything that they can kind of, you know, hide in with. It's just them out on these country roads. Exactly. And, you you know, look in your rearview mirror. It's just red, you know, <laughs> tractor trailer falling to me. But anyway, that was uh, that was a little, kind of a roll your eyes moment for me. Right. But uh, they zoom past this uh, shadowy figure on the mountain as they're uh, tracking the Duke. And we see that it's Vanessa. And uh, she's got this remote control, like, detonator in her hand. And uh, she tells the Duke, all right, Duke, come on, a little closer. And then she hits the button, and it fires this, like, little mine from underneath the ground. It attaches to the bottom of the car, and then it kind of drills its way up through the floorboards, and out comes the sleep gas again. Um, I thought that was a very creative weapon that they came up with for this episode. That is a very creative weapon, and it was kind of neat to see how uh, Matt's tracking this all on his little you know, TV screen, 
Right. And seeing that the car is now weaving around. And, of course, it, he's sitting there going, this doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden we see the the Duke's Jag do a 360 and then it's up crashing with good old switchblade appearing above the treetops. And then the rest of the Venom crew come on scene to the Duke. Now, Miles walks up and shoots a Viper Blast. Again, there's no command now to, to disperse the Viper Mask. Um, and he melts the window and says, Having sweet dreams, Duke. Then he grabs the ring, and then Vanessa alerts Mayhem that Mask is now on the scene. And roll out the welcome mat, Vanessa. My pleasure. Vanessa uses her remote control to shoot another gas-piercing missile into Thunderhawk. Matt's quick enough to realize it's sleeping gas, and he says it. Then you see him veer off and heading to the edge of a cliff, and then... Commercial break. Dun-dun-dun. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I thought it was... I don't know. The last episode, we had Miles, you know, coughing through his mask when when Rhino shoots the smoke bomb up towards Switchblade, and I kind of made a big deal of... You know, these masks aren't really meant to, you know, block any kind of gas or anything. And it, uh, we find out the mask is the same way exactly. with these. Um, except, well, obviously, Alex, his mask is a little more open open in the front. Right. But uh, they can still, you know, feel the effects of gases through these masks. Um, we come back from the commercial. Thunderhawk uh, converts to jet mode. And Matt is saved from going over the cliff. And as he's up in the air with the doors open, the car kind of aerates out. Matt comes to. He lands near Rhino that has appeared to have crashed itself. And then Bruce and Alex kind of walk out and ask, What happened? Sleeping gas. Just like the Renaissance Fair. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing, I don't know. It didn't show how... Matt, you know, kind of put it into jet mode. Maybe he fell over on jet mode or something when he passed out <laughs> and hit the switch to uh, to save himself. Right, and I actually but, uh, almost thought that it was a remote control here. I thought maybe Alex or Bruce or someone, you know, hit a remote control and kind of flew Thunderhawk to take care of it. But right. there was no then, indication, nothing, until you see him land and they're like, okay, everything's fine now. Right, and then Bruce and Alex, they walk out asking what has happened. Well, you know, we were just at the Duke where he's still knocked out. They're inside the cab. You know, how did the gas not have that same effect on them? And they're still, you know, kind of sleeping in the cab when Matt pulls up. So, I don't know. There was just some things there that could have been, I don't know, cleaned up, I guess you would say. But Matt tells them it's the sleeping gas, the same as they've had, you know, they saw it back at the tents in the Renaissance Fair. Uh, they go up to check on the Duke. Bruce uses Lifter to get the his car out of this kind of uh, ditch or whatever in the road that he's wrecked into. And, of course, they notice the ring is gone. So now, you know, Venom's two down and one to go uh, when it goes to these mystery rings. Matt tells uh, Bruce and Alex to go ahead and get back to your post and that he'll take care of the Duke. And then we... Uh, we just cut right back to Scott and T-Bob. They're in the developing room this time. Right, and they're developing picks, and one of them ends up being the top of Scott's head. So, of course, Scott has a little beef with 
T-Bob, and then T-Bob walks over and ends up knocking Matt's PJs into a piece of the equipment. And T-Bob proudly says, Wow! Take a look, Scott! A perfect shot! I knew I could do it! But the good photo is on the backside of Matt's PJ shorts. (laughs) So, Oh, my. Why it's there, I don't know. Someone had a laugh when they were drawing that up. Uh, I guess so. So Scott is all concerned about the postcard again and ponders to T-Bob if they are going to send Matt's PJ shorts to Gloria. Of course, I sit there and think that might ruin any persuasive mood. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. She might like Matt's shorts. I don't know. (laughs) Well, Matt's shorts with Scott's face. uh, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I guess that would be a little little creepy. That's a um, big mood killer. But anyway, (laughs) T-Bob replied that they should... Tell her we saw the country from the bottom up. And then T-Bob ends up revealing that he has a better, or maybe he pulled it off the pants, whatever. He has the actual photo version. And of course, Scott now wants to borrow money from Matt to make it into a postcard. And here's, I got another question here. You know, Scott, the whole family is rich. So I'm wondering if Scott spent all his allowance on this mini developer room that he's rigged up in the hotel room? <laughs> or did he spend all of allow- his allowance on the camera option on T-Bob? That would be my guess, that he's he's buying gadgets for T-Bob with his, uh, with his allowance and uses dear old dad for the, uh, for the other stuff that he wants to get. I guess. But who knows? Yeah, I, you would think that he... Would have a little spending money on him, but you know, like any kid, you get that money in your pocket, it's burning a hole there, and you need to need to buy something. So, who knows? That's right. <laughs> who knows why he was broke at the time? But anyway, they cut back to the uh, this archaeologist now at Sunhenge, and I really like the music here as well. I had never heard this theme before. It's kind of a spooky kind of evil theme. <laughs> Yeah, that we hear uh, when we when we get up to Sunhenge, and the archaeologist says, "This is the only section we haven't excavated. According to my research, it's got to be here. I can just feel it." And then we zoom out, and we see Venom is onlooking from the hillside, and Vanessa makes a little crack about, "I love playing the spider." Yeah, and I can't wait until the three flies find the ring. But then we cut back to the Duke's office with Matt. He tells Matt that he was on his way to see the archaeologist at Sunhenge when uh, this whole thing went down, where he you know, got the sleeping gas and wrecked his car. And Matt asks him about the inscription that was on the inside, because we had learned before that the letter I was in the other ring, and, and he tells him the letter X was in his ring. And Matt kind of just looks out the window, kind of pondering for a minute. Scott comes up and asks Matt for the money to make the postcard. And Matt tells him, I don't have time right now, Scott. And that kind of rings a bell in Matt's head. Time? Oh, and he remembers the sundial that he saw out in the courtyard. And he figures out that the inscriptions in these rings have to do with like a old-fashioned Roman uh, sundial. So he runs back to Rhino. They show Sunhenge on the computer as this graphic, 
and they kind of zoom in. They see the Roman numerals on top of the stones, and then they roll right out to Sunhenge. Right, and there's one correction here. Um, they'd actually come up with the X and V. They were looking for the X and V, okay. the one or I ring, but gotcha. not a big deal. Um, but they roll out. Scott's yelling at them, but T. Bob states, you know, it's they're too far to be heard. Of course, Scott insists that they go after them because Matt forgot to give him money. Now, how selfish is the money? Exactly. How <laughs> selfish is this kid over a postcard? <laughs> so anyway, you know, they go after him. Uh, there at Sunhenge, we see the archaeologist and his helper digging and sifting through the dirt. They end up coming upon this little tiny chest, which happens to be the third little ring. And he announces the lost ring. Not anymore. Please, not the ring. Miles quickly swipes it up, and then his crew tie them up, put them in a cave, and then he even says to put them in, give them a sleeping gas till, till they, they're done with their task. So Miles takes a little magnifying glass, and he sees a little, a very small poetic inscription on the ring. I am the third ring of three. My number is one, as you can see. Place all three stones, one, five, ten, and very rich become all men. It ends up being uh, that they need to jump on top of the corresponding stones and place the rings in these little indentations. Then it just, you know, just so happens that we now see the clouds just clear away from blocking the sun. And the sun brightly shines down on these rings and they emit... Like a dancing spotlights, like you'd see at a disco or you know new car dealership Pink Floyd concert. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 Pink Floyd laser light show That's right. at Sunhenge. So uh, mask rolls up then, and they discover that the sun is what reveals the location with the rings. Uh, he has Alex and Bruce handle the sun while he goes and gets Venom. Yeah, he. Um, uh, it didn't sit. kind of. Didn't sit too well that he just says, I'll let you handle the sun. What? Right, yeah. He tells him to pull the curtain. That's what it was. Uh, on the uh, on the sun, and we don't really know what that means at the time. Right. But uh, Mayhem, he tells them to get in their vehicles after they notice Mask is approaching. Uh, Rhino converts, and it shoots two missiles up in the air. They never really explode or anything it really doesn't show like you know the like i said the last episode where they kind of shoot these smoke bombs up at uh up at switchblade but one thing i was thinking here when i was watching rhino convert um i don't know i just i don't like the full conversion when rhino is moving i always see it more as when they're going down the road they lower the smokestacks they have the battering ram in the front but when they kind of release that open section where the command center is, where the missile is, it just looks kind of weird to me when they're like doing 50 miles an hour down the road. <laughs> I don't, what do you think about that? Well, it does look odd, but I think of Rhino is their, that's their big tank. You know, uh, I don't exactly like that when they open that rear command center, now that's exposed. Uh, not that Rhino's really bulletproof, but you got an expose. You're exposing all your computer and everything to it just to launch right. a missile. Uh, but I, at, at the same respect, I like it because it's it's 
now you get to see the big mammoth, you know, tank going through. He's ready to plow, shoot, and launch a smoke grenade, you know, so. I don't know. I just think I like it when it's parked and then they convert and shoot a missile. That's fine, but I don't know. It just looks kind of weird to me when they're going down the road. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, Jackhammer, he shows up, starts shooting at Thunderhawk. Uh, Piranha shoots a missile at Rhino, which it misses, and then uh, he gets lost in this smoke cloud. And, you know, we really never figure out what this smoke cloud is. I didn't know if it was dust or if it was like a smoke screen that Rhino had left behind on the ground as well as up in the air. But obviously these two missiles were supposed to block the sun, but we got all this, you know, smoke on the ground as well. And Scott and T-Bob approach. Scott tells uh, T-Bob to get into the smoke, and then that's when we see Switchblade hover overhead, and he kind of uses the rotors to fan the smoke back and try to make, you know, room for the, uh, the sun to come back out and start shining on these rings. And Scott and T-Bob, they see him up in the air, and they decide that enough's enough, and we need to hide. Ooh, we better cover our canister. Follow me. So they uh, climb up on this hillside as the smoke is clearing. And then the light uh, beams start to continue again. So, yeah, Switchblade continues to clear out the smoke, and Matt launches a missile at Switchblade, which ends up missing Switchblade. Miles ends up scolding Venom about why they aren't doing anything, and Rax replies that they can't see. So Miles ends up going into jet mode, and the smoke cloud now rises up and clouds up the sun again, which ends up shutting the laser blast off from the rings. But that laser blast that was shot momentarily uh, created a hole where Scott and T-Bob, right between Scott and T-Bob, and in that hole, they end up finding the treasure. Uh, T-Bob says that this must be what Venom was after. And Scott, of course, says, yeah, they might. They need to save it for Matt. Right. And then we get right back into uh, Switchblade and Thunderhawk dogfight. Um, and this is where Mayhem gets dizzy. I'm getting sick. One Venom milkshake coming up. From, <laughs> from chasing Thunderhawk in circles. You think someone that's a jet pilot. He's going to get dizzy. Okay. Um, Matt makes some little comment about a Venom milkshake. (laughs) And then uh, Matt suddenly sees Scott and T-Bob in the line of fire again. Oh, no, there they are again. i got to go save them again. Dang, kids. Uh, (laughs) Never stay at the house. Like uh, like a good old movie I like, The Grumpy Old Men. Dang, kids. Can't live with them. Can't shoot them. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, so Jack Hammer, he comes up and he starts firing at Scott and T-Bob on the uh, hillside there. Rhino comes up behind Jack Hammer and Bruce says, we need to give them some cover. And then Rhino makes this dust cloud or smoke screen, whatever, to cover up Venom. But we never see. It was like one minute Rhino's behind Jack Hammer and then the next minute they're in front of Jack Hammer and Piranha. Right. And they're making this smoke cloud. Um, Rax, he, he ends up, poor Rax, he always gets it. He crashes right into Jackhammer, the side of it, and, like, falls off the bike. Right. And then we, uh, we cut to Matt. What in blazes are you doing here, Scott? I'll explain later, Dad. Look what we 
god! He opens up T-Bob like uh, R2-D2, and uh, they see the treasure inside T-Bob. And they, just as they're ready to get in Thunderhawk, Matt hears somebody calling out, Get us out of here! Right, and Matt walks over to the hillside and uses Spectrum to break apart the rock. And Matt and Scott end up helping the both the archaeologists out just as Rhino pulls up, and Matt has Alex and Bruce take them. Uh, now we're back at Venom. Where we hear like the sound of a fire roaring, as we see Jackhammer kind of smoldering. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, Vanessa is wrapping up Rax's leg. Miles walks up and is so disappointed that Mask won again. And as Mask draws away, Miles says, "I'll even this score someday, Mask." Wait and see. <laughs> and when that someday might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not in the near future, Miles. Sorry. No, it's only four seasons. <laughs> it's actually only one season that's true <laughs> <laughs> if you want to count the racing series as one but I, I don't but anyway <laughs> uh, we cut back to Matt and Scott and T-Bob um, back at the uh, Duke's compound and they're working on Thunderhawk they're, Scott and T-Bob are kind of washing it I guess and Matt's got the hood up and Matt thanks them for helping out and giving a hand with finding the treasure and that's right. In the face of danger, we came through. But now you're going to have to face the real danger. Which is your punishment for going to Sunhenge in the first place, you doof. Yeah. <laughs> and T-Bob is, uh, is the final last little laugh here. Is T-Bob asking for one last picture of Scott before he never smiles again from this punishment. Right. Then there's a little, they, just a little brief pause followed by Matt chuckling and giving old Scott a hug. Yeah, and a nice little snapshot at the end. That's right, which sends us off to our PSA. Yes, and it's all about skateboarding this time. And We see Scott and T-Bob both skateboarding, and Scott asks T-Bob about hanging 10. And Sorry, being all metal, I can only hang 10. Ha ha. Uh, yeah, ha ha. <laughs> And then this kid, we see him coming into oncoming traffic, falls over, and this car nearly hits him, and T-Bob and Scott warn him never to skateboard on the street. We only skate on private property, or skateboard park. Which, I don't know, is what would the sidewalk be where they were traveling? Right, really. <laughs> and T-Bob ends it with, uh, we better stick to motor scooter mode. As he falls off the, the skateboard. Yeah. As, yeah, as he falls off the skateboard. And that's the end of the episode. So what was your rating for this wonderful Mystery of the Rings episode? I, I just wasn't really appeased by this one. I, I gave it a three. I didn't like the artistry of the cartoon. It acted like they were kind of lazy. I hate to be sound harsh, but it, it, it looked lazy. You saw Matt's face at times is not Matt's face. It's like they changed the, the actual physical characteristic of it. The same with Scott and T-Bob. They, they just, I know at times, I just, it didn't look like them. I mean, they were them. I could make that out, yeah, obviously. But yeah. it was just like they got lazy or rushed for this episode. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, it, it, I did notice that a couple times. So that really knocked it right away down to four. Uh then uh, the vehicle started to look a little sloppier. Uh, Rhino even looked a little sloppy when 
when they did transform him. The episode was okay. It really didn't captivate me. I just wasn't drawn to this. Um, T-Bob could have transformed and taken pictures of the thieves while riding. Maybe I'm reading a little more to in, into the cartoon than that, but he has a robot that has a transformation capability. You know, let's catch up to the guy. Let's use it. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> you have it, use it. Right. The, the dramatic going over the cliff, but we don't know how, how he was saved. <laughs> right. We don't know how Thunderhawk got into Jetma. We don't know if he bumped the shifter and boom, it went on. Did it go to autopilot? Did someone hit remote control? It's not Kit, so it, you know, he doesn't, I don't think Thunderhawk's that smart. Yeah, I was just, I was a, I was a three and, and, and I'm almost wanting to go down a little bit lower, but I'll stick at three before I ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> what was your rating? I'm going to give it the same. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. Um, I was kind of hovering. There was times where I was kind of edging towards four, and then there was always something that brought it back down. So, I, you know, the, there were some good things. I thought the plot was decent. Um, you know, it was. I liked the treasure hunting type stuff. Yeah. It was a decent use of Scott and T-Bob. They were both, you know, for comic relief and interacting with the mission itself. So I thought that was good. There's just a little bit too many uh, little, you know, one-liners by T-Bob in the episode that really stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm. Um, there are some decent shots, like Matt inside the ring, like we mentioned before, and the music, um, that new theme that they plugged in there, I like that. Um, those mines that... Venom used to shoot the sleeping gas inside the car. I thought that was pretty creative. Um, the bad stuff, you know, kind of bouncing off what you said with the getting sloppy with the animation and stuff, there seemed to be delays in the dialogue at certain points. Did you notice that? Where There was a pause that they did right, right at the beginning that, you know, I don't know if it was the cartoonist who, who drew it with that pause and then, you know, the voice actor had to come back, Doug Stone had to come back in and and try to match that pause. Yeah. Or or what it was. Well, there was one during the last laugh there too, right at the end of the episode. Oh, I missed it that. Paused it kind of paused and and then they laughed. And then the line where uh, Vanessa talks about being the spider and dagger, you know, catching the flies. There was a pause right in between those two lines that just kind of stuck out to me as well. That just kind of hesitated before Dagger came in with it. Hmm. So that kind of stuck out to me. Why did Alex and Bruce not experience the uh, sleeping gas effects in Rhino like the Duke did? Um, Venom was foiled way too easily at the end with just this dust or smoke and then flying in circles. Come on. Okay. We need to be a little bit more... uh, creative with how we're going to foil Venom at the end of the episode. I agree, but you know how simple sometimes they just turn away from stuff? Well, I, I don't know. So. I would have I would have thought they would have put up a little bit better fight at the end. Uh, and they were shooting and everything at them, but it, they were just... they It was too easy. Yeah. But And then just a few little ticks, I would say, more than, you know, marks against it. Um, the Alex call-up, we talked about that, really wasn't necessary... Rhino and Thunderhawk following too close when they were tracking um, the gas through the mask thing. I still don't like that, but, you know, right. whatever. Hmm. Um, and then they didn't really show this, this, the missiles coming up from Rhino, like, explode and, you know, show the smoke covering right. the sun and 
down towards the ground if they were really doing smokescreen from Rhino. Why not, you know, use that as a capability or something? But, um, and then just that, you know, misdirection where Rhino is behind Jackhammer and then in front of him just to use the smokescreen. Why not just use the battering ram and hit Jackhammer out of the way, you know? Exactly. Something? That's what it's there for. <laughs> use the bumper. That's what it's there for, you know? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so that was, uh, that was good. I'll give it a three, and I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And it was an okay episode. wasn't great. wasn't bad. So, in my opinion. But um, do you see any tie-ins to the script? I saw two. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is the smokescreen. We we definitely use the smokescreen, except we used to stop Jackhammer in our main battle scene in the movie. And um, Scott working on or building T-Bob, we. You know, that's what we do. Uh, we wrote into it that Scott actually invents T-Bob. What did you find? Yeah, that was, uh, I, I was thinking about that too as, as well when I heard Scott mention he was putting the camera in uh, in T-Bob. The other thing was just the overall scene at the end there where they're kind of, it's almost like a desert chase or, you know, uh, when the uh, the showdown occurs. And that's what I kind of imagined at the end of our movie where, uh, we have a, a battle between Gator and, and Jack Hammer and uh, in that same kind of setting. Yeah. Um, so that's what kind of basically all that just that jumped out at me as, as a tie-in. Right. But that was good. Um, we didn't get any comments this week. Um, I don't know if we just put everybody to sleep over the last three weeks and <laughs> didn't, get, didn't uh, get our normal commenters uh, enough time to come on and wake up but we did get some votes uh as of right now we've got six votes for a four and two votes for a three i wonder who those two people were i don't know we'll have to research that <laughs> so uh apparently people other uh people who watched it and rated it this week were a little more friendly uh <laughs> than we were uh in the rating but uh, you know i can i don't i don't see uh giving it a four uh, too far away no you might you might, but uh, that's gonna that's gonna about do it this week, isn't it? That is. So we're looking forward to our next mass cast, which is Mass Cast Twenty Four, Episode Eighteen. Bad vibrations is the name of this one, and it's it's gonna be where Venom threatens to blow up buildings in Hong Kong with a sonic weapon. So uh, look out, Hong Kong. We're going international again. We've been kind of in the international scene for. Quite a few episodes. Yeah, um, what do they got? The what do they got against the U.S.? I mean, really? <laughs> True. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to steal around the world. That's right. Um, I just wanted to remind everybody too. Don't forget that we are on Twitter as well, and we go on there and we like to retweet people talking about masks. But uh, we just gained our 600th follower, so we uh, we have a good time interacting with people over on Twitter. So go to at mask movie and tweet with us that's right we're always we're both jason and i watch the uh twitter account very well so uh please interact with us we'll we'll share everything we can short of the actual movie (laughs) (laughs) we might even give you a little piece of information if you want it so yeah all right well i guess that wraps it up for another edition of mass cast tune in next week like we say all the time we had a blast and we look forward to seeing you next time on mass cast Man.